This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by Jump Statistical Discovery Software from SAS. Jump, spelled J-M-P, is an easy-to-use tool that connects powerful analytics with interactive graphics. The drag-and-drop interface of Jump enables quick exploration of data to identify patterns, interactions, and outliers. Jump has a scripting language for reproducibility and interfacing with R. Click on this episode's sponsored link to receive a free info kit that includes an interview with DataViz experts Kaiser Fung and Alberto Cairo. In the interview, they discuss information gathering, analysis, and communicating results. Welcome back to the Policy Viz podcast. I'm your host, John Schwabish. Welcome back to the show. Happy New Year, everyone. I hope everyone's doing well. On this week's episode, we're going to talk about how to get organizations to use their data well and effectively. And so I'm very pleased to have Sarah Callison from Intel. Sarah's a senior statistician there, and she's been doing a lot of work on uh, trying to get everyone to be better at data analytics and data viz. Sarah, welcome to the show. Thank you, John, for the opportunity to come and talk. Yeah, thanks Thanks so much for coming on. Um, I'm excited to... Uh, to dive into this because uh, I think it's a big question of how do we uh, how do we get our own organizations and other organizations to uh, improve the way we use data. But before we dive into too much content, um, maybe you can talk a little bit about yourself. People get a little flavor of what the kind of work you do over there at Intel. Hi. Uh, yes. Thank you. Well, I'm a senior statistician at Intel. I've been at Intel for ten years, and I have an interesting background because. Before Intel, I've worked in many different companies. Uh, I worked for the U.S. Department of Agriculture as a commodity statistician. Um, when I was in grad school, I was working at Ford Motor Company. Uh, I went to University of Michigan for applied statistics. Got to play around with um, cookies and crackers at Nabisco Craft Foods, medical device company BD. And then then I had my time at uh at Intel, where I worked both in manufacturing and um, in sales and marketing and a couple other organizations within Intel. And you're going to say, wow, that's really diverse. But a lot of my background is in both R&D and process improvement, working in manufacturing or business transactions, process development. And one of the things that I, I keep on seeing within organizations are how well they're able to process data. And that is actually a re- is really a process problem from the time where you collect the data to the time that you you know are, can get some insights into it. Um, it's always been fascinating to me to kind of see how organizations how much they value the data and how much they are able to glean out of that um, based on how well their process is. And that's something that I'm doing at Intel and trying to understand how well we can really you know streamline that. Mm-hmm. So is there a common thread you've seen across these different organizations that you've been in and the ones that you've maybe worked with elsewhere? Is there a common theme of, you know, I guess pitfalls would be the way to start, but, you know, and then what are the common things that folks are doing wrong? And then what are the common things that folks are maybe doing right? So, you know, it really comes down, the the organizations I've really seen be really successful at this, it's always been a top-down approach Mm -hmm. where management says, hey, Everyone is going to follow this strategy. Um, we're all going to get behind it. And then it becomes top down. 
in order for management to actually be in a buy-off, you know, there usually has to be some kind of uh, grassroots effort to have that influence up to management. Mm. Um, and that can take a really long time. You really need to have people who can really be able to influence and showcase the ROI, why it's important for management to get uh, back. Once that happens and you have management, I've seen it go really, really fast and be really impactful. And that's when when organizations really start coming together and understanding. And there's a lot of different pieces that need to be be done. And this is reason why management is so important. Because first, you have to have the directive, we are going to value this, we're going to invest in this. And there's a huge investment, you need to make sure you have the right skill sets, you know, people need to understand how to handle data. Mm. And ensuring that these right skill sets and a time being in, invested in it. So you have to have the right thinking around it. Then you have to invest in the flow of the data or the process processing in the data. Is the data correct? Is the data structured properly so that it could be easily handled um, going forward? Is the data complete? Is the data correct? Are some of the things that the management needs to understand and invest. And then also you need to have the infrastructure in order to do it. So a lot of organizations say, well, I have data in Excel. Everybody has Excel. Everybody knows Excel. But, you know, Excel is not really the appropriate tool to be using, especially when you have a lot of data. Mm. Um, Being able to merge the data, having um, integrity of the data, Excel is not necessarily the right tool. So it's interesting how... You start the way I think a lot of, at least the way I think of it, I think a lot of people think of it is you need some sort of grassroots, some some group of people who really want to improve or introduce better data analytics, be it data visualization, be it whatever it is. And that sort of filters up and get the managers to buy in and then it sort of moves to the organization. Are there specific things you've seen people do at the grassroots level that have successfully got managers to buy in. I, I run into this a lot where people say, oh, I buy into this whole idea of doing better slides, for example. But if I were to come up there with a picture of a sunset or something, you know, people are going to yell at me because they want the, the dense table. So are there, are, are there specific things you've seen people below the managers do so that it grabs the manager's attention and then it becomes, you know, part of the, the culture of the company? Yeah, it's really kind of showing kind of the difference between, okay, this is what you're getting with the current mindset. Here's what you get when you invest. So it's kind of showing side-by-side comparisons on it. Also showing how much work it takes Mm. to get from this. So showing all the stumbles, all the issues that could possibly be going wrong the checks and what what the process needs to be to look like and so that management gets an idea. I think mm-hmm. a lot of times if you don't articulate that, they don't necessarily understand all the grunt work that happens. And and anybody who's been working in data will understand is, you know, 90% of the problem is just once you have a defined problem defined, figuring out how do you get the data in the right format, you know, making sure that it's clean, making sure it's accurate, getting it structured uh, properly so that you can essentially start being able to play around with it so that you answer the questions. And the great thing about data visualization is you can start playing around with, you know, the views and how the data feels and um, the distributions and, and so forth. But you need to make sure that you have the right tools 
and the data is structured in a way that allows you to do that. Right. But that takes time. Yeah. Yeah, it certainly takes time. That I mean, I think that lines up with a lot of what I've I've seen and heard. Um, you mentioned tools, and I'm curious uh, what sort of tools you use and what you've seen as successful, and also how you've seen. I mean, you've been at Intel now for for about ten years. You said how you've seen the tool sets change over that period, especially as it relates to data visualization. I personally use Jump, but there's a whole bunch of other different tools out there that uh, people can use. A lot of people within Intel use Excel. Like I said, there's a lot of limitations with it. Um, the great thing I like about Jump is it really allows you to point and click, be able to pull data in from various sources, be able to combine it. And then the graph builder option in there is just absolutely amazing um, because it's just drag and drop. And you're, you're able to kind of look at data much more in a more complex way. Mm-hmm. Um, then you could just kind of your typical graphs within Excel. I mean, you probably can do some stuff in like in Excel, but it could take you a really, really long time to do. And is Intel, are, are most people you work with, are they SaaS programmers? There are people at Intel that work in SaaS, but they're usually the statisticians that are using, they're using SaaS mm-hmm. or yeah. Jump. Yeah. Right, right. Um, and most of this work that you're talking about, this is for um, internal deliberations and internal decision making. Is that right? Pretty much, yes. And yes. so, what happens when you start thinking about trying to put something, you know, out the door, trying to communicate to public or the or a layperson or you know a decision maker with it with another firm? Or is that not really a consideration for for the kind of work that you're doing right now? It's not really a consideration of work that I do. So, when you are working with folks and trying to get them to buy in. You know, it seems clear to me that you get some group of people who are invested and they are the ones trying to get managers to buy in and maybe managers do and maybe they don't. But let's say you get the managers to buy in. How do you get the rest of the organization to adopt these ideas and strategies? So, you know, one of the things that I do is just, and I've seen this effective in in other organizations, is really having training, being able to train engineers on how to use their data, um, not using toy examples that might be open open uh, data sets, but their actual data, and being able to showcase to them exactly, hey, you have this data, and you know here's the complexity of this data, and here's a way that you can actually be able to you know graph your data. Um, and does this help you um, provide some insights into decision making for for your work? Does it save you time? Does it, you know, provide more insights? Um, I found that very effective. Now I saw a lot of lights go on. The problem that I did see when I started doing this was our data wasn't necessarily in a way that you could easily bring it into a statistical program. Statistical programs take the data and need a a certain um, structure to it. For organizations that haven't necessarily been in that thinking of how to structure their data, let me give you some, some examples. There could be some very important strings that basically engineer just writes out um, in their data set from a stat point of view or from a a program, these strings should be parsed out. And if they're not necessarily able to be parsed out 
in a systematic way because there's so many of them and the information can't be um, categorized properly. It can take a really, really long time for an engineer who doesn't necessarily know what the mental model of being able to pull their data into a, a program and then essentially be able to say, here's the structure I needed in order for me to start using um, like Jump or another program. It can take a really long time and that can be the huge obstacle for from them to be able to move to to being able to do data visualizations in a statistical program mm-hmm. or another um, visual um, data visualization program. Yeah. This is one of the things that from, you know, being able to articulate to management is the idea that the data needs to be structured and that there needs to be some kind of data governance around on this in order to make this transition from being pretty unstructured to a point of being able to, you know, get some insights from it. Mm -hmm. Do you find that statisticians, engineers, folks you've worked with or have worked with, that they are reluctant to use visualization tools as an analytic tool? Um, and they're, and they're more inclined to sort of stick with the good old, I'm going to look at, I'm going to, you know, calculate distributions and means and percentiles. And I'm going to do sort of, you know, standard statistical tests, but not use the visualization tools as part of their analysis process or toolkit. Um, Yes, and I think a lot of it isn't necessarily they're reluctant to do it as for like they don't see value. It's just too painful for them to do it. So because it's painful, they're not going to necessarily do it because it's going to cause them so much more work to do. Yeah, so painful I, painful in the sense – sorry, just, but painful in the sense of having to learn a new tool and, and go yes. through this whole new process. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That seems to be like the been some of my – biggest challenges Mm -hmm. is really they see the value of it, but they're not willing to do the work. Right. Because they they have to invest the time to learn the new tool or to think in that way. And while there may be a payoff, they may not think the the cost is worth it, right? Right. And And you also have to realize, you know, this isn't work that's really value added to that. You know, they can always go back to their old ways because, hey, this is the way that we've always done it. I've been rewarded on it. By the way, I am so busy. You know, I mean, we're not talking about people who are working 40 hours a week. I mean, these these guys are working, you know, many, many, many more hours than 40 hours. Um, And, you know, they need to get things out the door. They need to make these decisions to be able to communicate kind of, you know, whatever they need to be communicating as fast as they can. And so it's kind of one like, yeah, it'd be great to do it. But this is the way that I've been, you know, doing this before. It's been okay. I'm just going to go out. And until management kind of says, hey, I'm just basically enabling the old paradigm, you know, things are not going to actually change. There Mm -hmm. needs to be some kind of incentive to change. Right. And so what do you do with folks who are, uh, they're busy, but they're inclined to use the new tool or use the new process. Or do you, are you offering? Uh, do you offer internal trainings? And and if so, how do you get them to say, okay, I need to take a few hours or a half day or a full day out of my schedule to dedicate myself to learn this tool? And then I always find the problem is even if you sat with a tool for two or four or six hours, it's the ongoing use that really 
makes it useful because you don't learn something, you know, as a, as a, as a thing you're going to be good at after, you know, a couple hours. Right. And it's, I found that, you know, you have to do the kind of the drip um, approach. So you teach them something and then, you know, maybe it's something like, and they find out that it's easier to pivot my data in jump than it is in Excel. So now they're bringing the data in, doing the pivots, Mm -hmm. and then taking it back and kind of going on. And it's kind of that building. So the next time they'll do the pivots, they're like, well, I can be doing this. uh, I could maybe I can just take this into jump builder because, hey, yeah, Sarah just showed me how to use this. It's kind of that drip thing where you keep on introducing this and reinforcing it Mm -hmm. and just allowing them to explore the tools and kind of learn it step by step. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when we think about organizations that are large and Intel is a large organization, but even organizations that are not that large, a lot of organizations that I've worked with. Uh, for example, are pretty siloed off. You have the communications folks over here. You have the data analysts and analytic folks over there. You've got the managers over there. How do you break down those walls between the different silos and get, I don't know, I guess a wider swath of an organization to buy into the change in data analytic methods and data visualization methods? You know, it's a really good question. I mean, Intel is a really large organization. We have so many different organizations that have really great capabilities in analytics to those that they're still trying to struggle with, you know, what does analytics mean? How can I incorporate this um, and, and, and be? So there's really a dichotomy within Intel. And a lot of it comes back to kind of, you know, what management in different parts of the organization um, have put value um, value in. So, which is an interesting question because one of the things that I've been leading is a data science center of excellence within Intel, where we're just basically bringing all the data scientists um, within the company and being able to share kind of how various different organizations handle data, um, what are the kind of the best practices, um, what does it mean to be a data scientist at Intel? What is the career growth? How can we be influencers um, and, and be heard so that essentially, you know, the entire organization, uh, the whole corporation can benefit from all these best known practices. And I probably said BKM, which is best known practices, which is an acronym in, in Intel. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, what does that mean and how can we make Intel a data science leader? And when I say data science, I'm not necessarily using kind of the I'm using it generally as anybody who knows data. It could be a statistician. It could be a traditional data scientist, a data architect, a data engineer um, and so forth, or even a data citizen, a data user. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Very interesting work. And I think it's one of the places where there's a lot of discussion and challenges because, uh, as you've mentioned, there's a lot of different tools and, and different needs. And I think people are coming uh, more and more aware of, of what they can do and what they need to do. So um, good luck. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's been really interesting. Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much, John. And thanks, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode. If you have comments or questions, please let me know on the website or on Twitter. And please rate and review the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast provider. So until next week, this has been the Policy Viz Podcast. Thanks so much for listening.
This episode of the Policy Viz podcast is brought to you by Jump Statistical Discovery Software from SAS. Jump, spelled J-M-P, is an easy-to-use tool that connects powerful analytics with interactive graphics. The drag-and-drop interface of Jump enables quick exploration of data to identify patterns, interactions, and outliers. Jump has a scripting language for reproducibility and interfacing with R. Click on this episode's sponsored link to receive a free info kit that includes an interview with DataViz experts Kaiser Fung and Alberto Cairo. In the interview, they discuss information gathering, analysis, and communicating results.